The Rural Health Voice, Episode 29, Broadband Expansion. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What is happening in Richmond to make sure Virginia's rural communities have access to broadband? Evan Feynman, the governor's chief broadband advisor, joined me to talk about what is being done and how you can help. So welcome, Evan. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here and to have the conversation. Sure. So you are the chief broadband advisor for the Office of Secretary of Commerce and Trade, and that's Secretary Brian Ball. Uh, well, I'm technically the governor's chief broadband advisor. Oh, uh, Located see, in uh, Commerce and Trade. Got it. The governor's chief broadband advisor, but your office is housed within the Secretary of Commerce and Trade. You got it. Is that right? That is right. Hey, so tell me a little bit about what the chief broadband advisor does. Uh, Well, so uh, to do that, I'll need to do a little quick background. The governor, uh, when he was running for office, was very interested in making sure that his vision for the future of Virginia included not just building on the successes of the McAuliffe administration and continuing to grow the economy of the state as a whole, but really having a very strong focus on ensuring that prosperity and growth were shared broadly across all of Virginia. And uh, that meant paying a particular attention to the difficulties and challenges faced by uh, our less dense communities, our rural communities. And so uh, he set the for the goal uh, of getting universal broadband connectivity in Virginia in no more than 10 years on July 2nd of 2018. And at that time, he tapped me and uh, Courtney Dozier, uh, who was the chief deputy at the Department of Housing and Community Development, to be his broadband advisors. And so he set us the task of creating and then operationalizing a plan to see that done, and then uh, additionally to serve as his advisor uh, as he uh, considered any other legislation or policy changes relevant to broadband. But the, the primary mission is seeing to it that we have connectivity across the whole Commonwealth in no more than 10 years. And uh, it is worth noting that the governor is an impatient person. And uh that no more than is a is a really operative part of that directive. So if our team gets the last home or business connected on day 364 of year nine, uh, that will be seen as a success or at least a passing grade, but the grade will be a, a D minus. And so we're very eager to go much more swiftly if we can. Well, as someone that doesn't have broadband at home, I approve this message <laughs> and the timeline. Uh, well, happy to do it. So with that, what's your involvement with Commonwealth Connect? Sure. Well, so Commonwealth Connect is the brand and uh, umbrella heading under which all of the Commonwealth's efforts to create that connectivity uh, fall. So 
recognizing that we were going to be doing a lot of different things, spanning from uh, having a policy agenda to local planning support, uh, to grant making, to issuing of, of reports, to uh, the creation of coalition, we figured it made a lot of sense to pull all of that together under one heading. And so we came up with the uh, handily alliterative Commonwealth Connect name and our colleagues over at the Department of uh, or at the Virginia Tourism Corporation uh, were kind enough to help us come up with a logo and some branding. And we have since uh, tried to consolidate all of our efforts uh, which exist in many different agencies and in many different forms uh, around this one directive and mission and this one heading. And the Con Commonwealth Connect team is a combination of your office, the Center for Innovation Technology, Department of Housing and Community Development. How do those entities work together on this project? Well, everyone brings something else to the table. Uh, you know, I should also add our, our colleagues at the Library of Virginia, VDOT, the Department of Education, uh, the Department of General Services, uh, uh, all have been uh, really key players as well as uh, members of the, the Agriculture Secretariat, the uh, the Education, the Public Safety Secretariat, all uh, uh, military and veterans affairs. It, it truly spans across all of government. Uh, one way or another. You'd be surprised at how many folks intersect with this effort. Uh, what we've really tried to pull things together to do falls into three big categories, uh, under which there are a number of subcategories, but, but three big categories. The first is grant-making to solve the fundamental problem that has prevented this infrastructure from being extended to those who need it. Uh, that is that... Uh, a mile of broadband infrastructure costs essentially the same amount to create in Alexandria as it does in Allegheny. The challenge is that the return that you'll see on that investment uh, is quite high in Alexandria. You have a lot of customers along that one mile of infrastructure, whereas in Allegheny, uh, you'll see you have far fewer potential customers. And so when that density drops below the point at which you can reasonably expect to get a return on that investment, the private sector is simply not going to serve those areas. And so in a, a direct effort to solve that math problem, the Commonwealth has set about making grants to public-private partnerships uh, to extend, to make, you know, to, to buy down that initial capital cost so that we can extend infrastructure out to various parts of the Commonwealth that wouldn't otherwise get it. That's being done primarily through the VADI program, the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative at the Department of Housing and Community Development, as well as by the Last Mile Broadband uh, Program at the Virginia Tobacco Region Revitalization Commission, where I wear my other hat and am the executive director. The second big bucket of uh, work that we do is policy work. So we uh we put we advocate within the governor's office for uh, different policy ideas and pieces of legislation to be governor's bills or agency bills. We additionally work with the various stakeholders uh, in and about government and policy making on their policy efforts, and we advise the governor uh, and our uh, often our congressional delegation as to how they ought to react uh, regarding given uh, pieces of legislation that we didn't generate ourselves. The uh, we also work to improve policy just inside of government. So that can be things like the way VDOT treats uh, attachments, the way general services manages telecommunications equipment on state land, etc. The last big category of work is 
local planning support. And here, uh, the team at DHCD, uh, the team at CIT, which has now been tasked officially, uh, formally to DHCD, uh, and the, the mainline broad Commonwealth broadband team all work together to support uh, local governments and groups of local governments as they develop uh, in partnership with ISPs or consortia of ISPs, uh, their plan, their plans for universal coverage. We know that we don't have the ability to dictate uh, the smartest and best choices for each individual county sitting in Richmond. And in fact, it would be silly for us to try. So instead, what we have set about doing is acting as advisors and technical support for local and regional planning efforts so that they can uh, come up with the solution and partnerships that best support uh, universal coverage in specific areas of the Commonwealth. Uh, that also has the side benefit of making sure that we don't have all our eggs in one basket. A number of our sister states have taken a very top-down approach to this effort, um, doing centralized procurements for massive statewide projects. Uh, that's a very high-risk endeavor. It's a, a, an approach that we don't think is nearly as successful uh, as ours, and we're, that seems to be being borne out uh, in the, uh, the, the, as these programs play out. Now, looking at the Commonwealth Connect website, it notes that VATI got $43 million in requests and could only award about $25 million. How do you decide where the priorities are? Uh, sure. Well, so we've uh, – the Commonwealth has awarded $25 million uh, uh, total. Uh, actually, the budget that we were given for that, that round that received $43 million in requests was only $19 million. Uh, we were grateful that the General Assembly – uh, was able to plus the program up from four million to nineteen million, but it is still the case that uh, we are not now and are unlikely in the future to have a given year where we can meet all the demand. And so, what we've been doing to ensure that we were uh, wisely spending those dollars, uh, we're, we're very cognizant of the fact that there are, there are many different uh, spending priorities for state government. Uh, this being, we think, a, a very laudable and important one, but but certainly not the only thing state government needs to do. Uh, we want to make sure that we are as efficient as we possibly can be in the deployment of those funds. And so the core metric that we use to evaluate projects is the number of new unserved uh, properties that will be connected on a per public dollar basis. So we look at, you know, if you're promising uh, a thousand new home and business connections and uh, you need uh, 500,000 state dollars to make the economics of that work, uh, that's 500 state dollars per uh, connection. And so we would stack that up against someone else who might need a million dollars to do the same thing. Uh, and we might support both, but certainly we would support the $500,000 need first. Uh, we understand that costs will escalate as we move deeper into the project, but so far we've been really, really efficient, and we're quite proud of that. Uh, we have been averaging, uh, the, the governor will release the, the new awards from that round that we just described, the $19 million round, in the next week or so. And uh, after that point, the Commonwealth will have uh, connected right around 100,000 homes and businesses directly through our programs, and we'll have done that in an extraordinarily cost-efficient fashion. Uh, our colleagues at the uh, FCC 
are wonderful people uh, and they're spending a great deal of money in Virginia. And I don't want anybody listening to this to take from it that we are anything other than thrilled that the FCC is spending money in Virginia. They should spend more. They should spend more and more frequently. But it is worth noting that uh, they have deployed to date around uh, $84.5 million in Virginia, which will create something on the order of 33,000 home and business connections over the next decade. By comparison, the announced funding that Virginia has done through our state programs is around $25 million to connect 71,000 home and businesses, uh, homes and businesses in the next two years. And so uh, when you look at our efficiency relative to theirs, we're about five times more efficient or six times more efficient on cost and about five times more efficient uh, in terms of speed. And so we uh, uh, are very proud of the work that we've done so far and look forward to doing uh, more in the future. Now, the website notes that there are an estimated 600,000 unconnected Virginians. I would assume most of those in rural areas? Uh, there are. So it's, uh, and that number will have come down that, you know, that was, uh, that was the number as of the report that we wrote at the end of 2018. Uh, I believe in 2019, we'll be able to report that there are significantly fewer. Uh, we're still waiting on final edits for that report. It'll come out uh, probably at the beginning of the year. Uh, most of those folks are in rural or suburban areas. Uh, there is good infrastructure, if not good affordability, uh, within our urban areas, but certainly in our suburbs and in our rural areas, uh, connectivity falls off quite quickly. Uh, and so when we look at who doesn't have connectivity, yes, it is the um, Alleghenies and Highlands and uh uh, Lancasters of the world, but it, you know, it's also Loudoun and Hanover, uh, parts of, of Chesterfield and Albemarle, um, places that, that people don't think of as very rural, uh, that are quite near major urban areas, but simply don't have, uh, connectivity across all of their county. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's something that I find curious because if you look at a, a FCC broadband map, it says that me and Montgomery County has access, and I can tell you here and now, I do not. <laughs> so how do you determine where those needs are? Sure. Well, so uh, the previous broadband efforts have been stymied by just that problem. The fact is the reporting methodology that the FCC uses is deeply, deeply, deeply flawed. Uh, that is a flaw that the FCC acknowledges and is working to correct, but um, a federal agency working to do something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen expeditiously. So we've tried to sidestep that problem. The The reason it doesn't work is because the FCC permits uh, internet service providers, uh, as well as other people that they regulate, but for our purposes, ISPs are who we're talking about, to claim if they have a single service or billing address in a census tract uh, or a census block rather that the entire census block is served and so what that means is just a tiny corner of a quite large area could have service and they'll claim that they're serving the entire area Uh, that's a terrible flaw so recognizing that the maps were bad many people who attempted to solve this problem previously said we got to solve that we need to know the full extent and nature of this problem prior to uh any uh uh sensible effort to solve it that's a very reasonable sounding approach it just doesn't happen to be true uh when we've got hundreds of thousands of virginians jumping up and down screaming that they need this access and that they don't currently have it 
we made a determination early on that we were going to have a, a bias toward action, that we were going to focus on solving the problem for the people who are identifying themselves, and that we were going to come up with a way to align the incentives of the internet service providers and the Commonwealth around this idea that uh, we need to get these projects built. And the, the way we've done that uh, is to say, we don't have a good map, we may never have a good map, and we don't need a map. What we're doing is in each locality or group of localities, we are bringing the ISPs to the table and saying, here's where we think there's no service. If you are in fact serving part of that area, speak up now or we will publicly subsidize a network to build in competition with yours. What then happens is the internet service providers say, yes, actually we're serving here, here, and here, but in fact we're not serving there, there, and there, and we're able to build the networks out. And so in that way, we've aligned their incentives with ours. They don't want us to uh, build a subsidized network over theirs. We don't want that either. We're not particularly interested recognizing that dollars are scarce uh, in building redundant networks. And we just simply do that locality by locality, region by region, and eventually we'll have universal coverage having never actually generated uh, a perfect map along the way. So you mentioned there's people jumping up and down screaming for access, and you can, again, count me in that number. <laughs> we do. So what, do, what does somebody like me do to gain the attention of people holding the purse strings? Uh, well, so we primarily what we need uh, local citizens to do is uh, a couple of different things. One, reach out to your county board and let them know that they need to be working with the Commonwealth Broadband team on a plan for universal coverage in your in your community. Uh, it is accomplishable in every single corner of the Commonwealth. The counties that have gotten this done are not the most affluent. They're not the counties with the best topography. They're simply the counties who made it a priority. Uh, when you think about Floyd County, Bedford County, uh, uh, Amelia County, Grayson County, uh, these are not the richest counties in the Commonwealth. They're not the flattest counties in the Commonwealth. Amelia's pretty flat, but uh, they're not—they're not the counties that are already the best served. They're the counties that made it a priority. And so, counties that do make this a priority and work with the Commonwealth team are able to get it done. The uh, second thing is to contact your delegate and senator and ask them to fully fund the governor's broadband effort. Uh, the governor made a substantially more sizable request for VADI funding last year than the General Assembly ultimately arrived upon. Uh, certainly, we could get this as infrastructure. We'll get more done if we have more funding. Uh, there isn't any way. We're trying to be as smart and efficient as we can be, as we described. But uh, on some level, infrastructure costs money, and without the dollars and cents, we can't get it done. Now, you were talking about money. I read a recent editorial that claimed that Urban people with tax dollars should not have to subsidize the cost of living in rural America. Do you have a response to that? Should rural people just give up and move to larger towns and cities? Uh, I, well, I hope they don't. Uh, the reality is we are a commonwealth. Uh, the, uh, we are on a, on a very real and fundamental level all in this together. Moreover, rural communities... Uh, are places in which we've already invested tremendous resources. We have significant assets in those communities, and a failure to build infrastructure to them is a failure to both realize the full return on the investments we've already made in those communities and the opportunity for growth that those communities present. Purely on an economic basis, 
That is the same argument people would have made against the interstate highway system, against a comprehensive rail system, against rural electrification, against uh, rural telephone. The economic benefits that we have seen from those investments have been tremendous. And in fact, when we measure the potential economic benefits of universal broadband coverage in Virginia, the answer is billions and billions and billions of dollars of new economic activity billions of dollars of new wealth created, thousands and thousands of new jobs. Uh, it really is a, a, a tremendous opportunity for Virginia. I mean, a couple of, of, of core stats, uh, agriculture and forestry remains the, the largest uh, industrial sector in Virginia by kind of a long way. And uh, the USDA's Economic Research Service, a, a very highly respected group of, econom- of economists, uh released a study last year showing that you could get an 18% increase in agricultural output uh, through use of connected ag technology. In Virginia, that would be an 18% increase on a $70 billion a year industry. The next closest industries by volume uh, are in the 20s of billions of dollars. So it's a huge opportunity to see growth there. Uh, Relatedly, what we know is that uh, the value of a given parcel of real estate increases by between 4% and 8% the moment you get a connection to it. That will create billions and billions of more dollars of wealth for Virginians across the Commonwealth. And finally, we need to set the stage for opportunity everywhere. Economic success changes over time. Areas that are successful today are not the areas that will be successful in the future and vice versa. Uh, As recently as the 1970s and 80s, the most affluent area of the state was the Danville, Pennsylvania, Martinsville region. Um, That was where the most millionaires were. Meanwhile, uh, Tyson's Corner was literally an intersection in uh, a very low economic activity uh, part of the Commonwealth. We know that one generation hence, Tyson's is uh, a huge and growing city with uh, something like the same amount of office space as the city of San Diego, incredibly dynamic. But we also know that the economy is not static and that things will continue to change and move. And so in the same way, the rest of Virginia was very happy to subsidize the growth of outer northern Virginia. Uh, we should continue to make sure that every area of the Commonwealth has the opportunity to grow because we are bad predictors of where future growth will be. So in addition to the funding, are there policy initiatives at the state or federal level that would help with broadband implementation? There very much are. So uh, I mentioned earlier that our um, uh, broadband program is somewhat more efficient than the program at FCC. We are currently working with all of our members of Congress and both of our senators, as well as the governor uh, and our, our federal liaisons to pursue block granting of those FCC funds to Virginia. So if you are in a community that has not already uh, expressed its support for that block grant, we would ask you to reach out to your uh, supervisors and your county administrator to try to get that done. Uh, Additionally, reach out to your member of Congress and our our Senate offices uh, to encourage to thank them for their support, which will also encourage them to, to push that up on their priority list. The second thing you can do is, uh, and this is a little in the weeds, so I'll try to gloss over it as quickly as I can, Uh, a policy that we got changed last year was one that permitted our large electric companies to uh, basically join forces and partner uh, to help extend broadband services. There are a lot of good reasons they're good partners and efficient partners uh, having to do with the fact that they've got a 
lay a bunch of fiber to build a smart electrical grid, and that uh, presents an opportunity for leverage. There is a project right now in Grayson County uh, that is pending approval before the State Corporation Commission of Virginia, which regulates, uh, among other things, our electric utilities. If folks reach out to the SCC uh, in support of that Grayson County project, that's not a part of government that gets a lot of public comment, but they have a public comment period open right now. You really could do first Grayson County a favor, but uh, if this project gets across the finish line, then what we know is that a, a wide variety of others will as well. And so uh, do your neighbors in Grayson a favor. You'll, you'll be doing yourself a favor as well. Reach out to the SCC and um, make a public comment in support of that application. Um, past there, I'd encourage folks to head to the Commonwealth Connect website. Uh, there are a lot of different opportunities for folks to uh, get engaged. And uh, also, if you're a member of a uh of an organization that, that would benefit from universal broadband, uh, we encourage you to join the Commonwealth Connect Coalition, which is the group of stakeholders from across Virginia government and society uh, that has come together to uh, speak with one voice and say, uh, we believe every Virginian deserves access to quality broadband and the opportunity to fully participate in American life. And so uh, for all the reasons, economic, moral, and social, that people ought to be uh, uh in support of this effort, uh, we've got this coalition pulled together to, to speak as loudly and, and forcefully as we can uh, to our policymakers to echo that, that message. And the Virginia Rural Health Association is proud to be a member of the coalition because we understand the need of broadband for health and health care in rural Virginia. Absolutely. I, I, not just a, a, a proud to be a member, but one of our early members. We really appreciate you guys helping us uh, get the ball rolling. It was uh, early days. It was it was tough to, to make headway, and, and certainly your support went a very long way. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Well, my last question is probably not one you usually get asked, so you may have to dig a little deeper for this, but I ask everybody this question. If you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and health care in rural Virginia? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, gosh, uh, there's so many good answers. I mean, the first and obvious one is uh, let's make sure that there's universal broadband connectivity so that everyone can avail themselves of the telehealth opportunities that they could. Uh, we know that there is huge huge need uh, for health care in rural Virginia and that uh, folks are often having to travel very long ways. Uh, and we, in fact, in the public are having to support medical transport for very long distances uh, for procedures and consultations that could be happening remotely. So that would be the first thing. But but taking off my broadband hat, um, man, I would really love it if we could do more uh, uh, screening, particularly uh when we look at, at, at cancer incidences across uh, rural Virginia, um, there are the sorts of cancer clusters you'd expect as well as new ones growing. And um, if more people would, would take the opportunity, particularly young people and young men for colorectal cancer, which seems to be uh, booming in a big way, uh, I think we'd all be much better off. You, you hate to see people who have diseases that benefit from early detection uh, catching them late. And with that, we, of course, need to make sure that they have access to treatment as well. And some of that can be done through telehealth. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Evan. Appreciate your time on this call. Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity to come on and, and, and have a conversation and for all the wonderful work that you guys do. 
That's Chief Broadband Advisor Evan Feynman with recommendations on how you can help promote broadband expansion in Virginia's rural communities. If you want to support efforts to provide broadband access to areas currently without service, visit the show notes for more information. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.